Well, welcome. We're Shadow of His Wings Ministry, and here today we're doing our Healing Hidden Wounds podcast. I'm here today with my wife, Shay. Hi, Shay. Hey there. And our counselor intern, Corey Doyle. How are you, Corey? Good. Corey has just joined us, and uh, he brings with him a knowledge of just his own healing places and life in general. We're just glad to have you. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. It's good to be here. I also want to say real quick, we have a retreat coming up. Uh, we have a Journey to Freedom retreat. That's right. And what's that about? That is our retreat for folks who struggle with same-sex attraction. And it's a, a real laid-back retreat. It's a retreat where folks can just come and kind of begin to look at what exactly do they even feel about their unwanted same-sex attraction, or even if they're not even sure it's unwanted yet. It's September the 22nd through the 24th, uh, and we do those retreats about every quarter. So if you can't make this one, just check out our website at shadowofhiswingsministry.com, and you can find out information as we go along there. Well, today we're talking about why is it so hard to change? That's a crazy, crazy thing to look at, because it is hard to change. Absolutely. Well, part of our... Part of our desire, part of our ministry's desire is to help folks find change, to help folks find healing in those things that they don't know how to get free from. Well, and sometimes it's not even how to change. It's wanting to change. Sometimes it's like, wow, I don't really want to change because that's scary. Absolutely. And sometimes it's scary to want to change. And sometimes we don't even realize we need to change. Right. And that's why sometimes change has to happen in a relationship, because when you're in a relationship, then sometimes people point out to you things that they keep seeing in you that's causing things. So sometimes that helps to be in a healing relationship that helps you to see the things you may not see yourself. I don't know about y'all, but it sure seems to me that, you know, sometimes I don't want to change. It may be something where I feel like I need to, but Maybe I don't really want to because it's what I've always done. And it's kind of just saying to yourself, well, I'm just a night person. But then what happens when you have to start getting up early in the morning to go to work? Sometimes you don't want to change that because there are things that you get entrenched in. There are activities that you like to do that make you feel like you either have some time off or, the, hey, that's my free time. Don't take that from me. So when something steps into your life and says, this is what you need to change, it makes it difficult to actually want to, um, it, want to actually get motivated to change. Yeah, and it's not always, I mean, I don't see it as a bad thing that change happens slowly. Because, you know, if you think about it, you think about how, how your habits come into your life are not really you know, they're not really drastic anyway. They come over a period of time. And so it takes a period of time to retrain yourself and get out of those ways of thinking and ways of dealing with life. Well, and that's a really cool way to look at it because I had never even seen that before. Well, because people automatically, they say, 
wow, I want change to happen now. You sure. know, if change could just happen now, but but it's just be encouraged if it doesn't happen right away. Right. Be encouraged in the small changes. Then it's like to hear I can go slowly at it is kind of like against what we learn in this world. Because as soon as you want to lose weight, you got to find out how to get the most weight off the quickest. Or if you're, if you want to change the patterns of behaviors, like if you, like in our ministry, we work with folks who have some, who have sexual brokenness. If they want to quit looking at pornography or quit doing compulsive sexual behaviors, they want to hurry up and get it done because it's doing something to affect their marriage. And so that's kind of, uh, I'm just for our listeners, that would be an interesting place to start is do I give myself time to actually change knowing that I didn't come by this thing overnight and it's not going to go away overnight. I think change also comes slowly because we use some of our behaviors for comfort. So if we don't really know how to self-comfort in ways that are healthy, then we go to things that we may have always done that make us feel better in the moment, but they're not the greatest behaviors. Exactly. It's kind of like I was I was sharing this story with somebody previously. It's like when I used to have, I lived in a lot of fear and I had a lot of panic attacks. And so my automatic response or my go-to way of dealing with that was by isolating. You know, I really did not want to be around people because my fear was so great. I felt like, oh, I'm going to have a panic attack. I'm going to lose control. They're going to be able to see that I just you know, I just, I'm going to just freak out is basically how I felt. Right. But over a period of time, I learned that really the healthier thing was to begin talking to people that were safe to help with my panic attacks. And that was actually the way I would get out of my fear. And I, it's real hard to explain, but it's, but it's your fear. My fear kept me, kept me in a place of fear. That's, yes. My panic lived in a place of causing more panic. Right. And the only way to cope with that is to just stay out of it. Right. But it's a lot. It takes a lot to change that habit. I mean, it really took me to to go a different path because I kind of see it as being ingrained. I was ingrained to automatically isolate and be to myself. Right. But it took a lot for me to go and just really reach out and talk to people. And what do you think motivated you to begin that process of trying to reach out? Let me think. What really motivated me? Wow. I think what really motivated me is just getting to a place where um, I guess I met my crossroads in my life. I don't know how to say that because it's. That's great. Keep talking. I think what really motivated me is I really hit rock bottom. I hit a place in my life where I was forced to reach out to help for help. And, um, and through that, it just began, I began trusting just one person. I was able to trust just one person with, with my fears. And as they challenged me to maybe trust one more person 
or to reach out to one more person, then it just kind of went from there. Absolutely. Well, I think that's that reaching out is like that first step across the chasm to the other side. It's the hardest step to take, but it's the very first one that says, okay, maybe I do want something different here. And I think that is, it's hard to get to that motivating place of, okay, I really don't want to do the same things I've always done and trying to get to that place. I also think some of our deepest struggles help us to deal with our pain. I mean, if we look at some of the things that we have a hard time getting out of our lives, they have become coping mechanisms. Whether it's, like you said, staying to yourself or whether it's, you know, struggling with a weight issue or even looking at compulsive behaviors, sexual behaviors, drug use, alcohol, those things begin to, to actually comfort our deepest pain. So instead of dealing with our pain, we run to those places where we don't have to feel it anymore. Well, if I can just medicate this thing, then I don't really have to change. And for the season, I'm good. I don't have to change it now. I'm good. I, I, I took care of this, this, this impetus for change, and now I don't have to worry about it until the next thing comes around again, and we're right back wanting to change again. That's that cycle of loss. Well, I guess I would say it's really more of a cycle of failure, you know, where you want to change, you try to change, it doesn't work, the old feeling comes back, so you run from that feeling right back to the same place you've always been, and then you say, well, see what a failure I am, so why should I ever try that again? And that's what keeps change from happening sometimes. Yeah, and something that came to my mind is perfectionism. When you're trying to change, if you don't do it right the first time, whether it's talking to people, opening up to people or whatever, you feel like you failed or you get embarrassed or afraid that you're not going to do it perfect. Absolutely. You know? What if we flesh that out a little bit? I mean, talk about what perfection does in that process. Maybe if I think about an area I need to change, I have an idea what that might look like. And if it doesn't go like I think it's going to go, it's like, what do I do? You know, I mean, I'm instead of turning to something to, like you said, I, did you say Medicaid or something? Yeah. You're trying something different. And not only did that, did it not work, but it totally failed if that, you know, which is probably going to happen at some point. So how do you keep going? When you're afraid you're going to fail again. Yeah. And do you think you're, do you think kind of when we look at, at when we're trying to do something different and we see something as a failure, um, is that, do you think it's really a failure or do you think it's based on the response that we're hoping we get from, from other people? I would say it's really a failure because I think, I mean, I think it's not really, but I think in the eyes of someone who struggles with, with perfectionism, it's going to look like a failure. It's kind of like trying to overcome something that you think for a moment. That's just my opinion. And Corey can certainly answer how he feels, but it's just, I think it is, at least in my own life, it's been, you failed, you didn't make it, and then I feel this want to just give up. Well, forget it. I didn't get it done. I'm just going to go ahead and go back to the way I do things because obviously it's never going to work. 
And that is, I believe, the kiss of death for change because you never go back to the to the stopping point. You go all the way back to the beginning, which is a broken place. To take somebody all the way back to the beginning every time just because they fail in this one area means you don't just stop and start right back where you were. That failure says, no, you got to go all the way back to the beginning and you just blow it until you're you're done blowing it and then you can start fresh. And that's that doesn't ever allow you to, to, to change from where you stopped. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think maybe if other people are looking in from the outside, they may not see it as a failure. A lot of times if I try to look at myself from someone else's point of view, or look at someone else who maybe failed, it's like, you know, big deal if they don't have a problem with it. But if it's me, if there's something different about, I guess if you feel like you failed, then it doesn't really matter if you failed. I don't know if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I look back on my own recovery from either same-sex attraction or broken sexuality. And, you know, the crazy place there is, is, is when you feel like you failed then you just give in. It's like you give up and you give in and there you just say, well, I'm never going to get out of this. So you go all, at least I went all the way back to the beginning and said, you know, forget it. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And so that's when fear comes in. That's when hopelessness comes in. It's never going to change. That's why I so appreciate what you said in the beginning, Shay, about it's okay to take time to change because we don't usually go with that. We think it should happen yesterday, especially if you also struggle with perfectionism. Like I have to, I have to be done with this at a certain time, whatever this change is. And when you realize, at least in my own life, as God has taken me step by step through this process, he's actually shown me many times, don't go all the way back to the beginning. Just start where you are. Yes, you messed up now, but then go from here. Don't go all the way back. And I'm trying to implement that in other places of change in my life. Okay, so what are some of the barriers to change? Well, I think like we were talking, I don't know. I know we've talked about fear. Um, I think lack of comfort. Um, I think lack of comfort is a, a big barrier to change. We like things to feel normal. And when... We feel out of our comfort zone, then we either want to run back to comfort or we just want to find someplace that doesn't feel so uncomfortable. So I would say fear and lack of comfort and um, just a, a fear of confronting our, our, own, our own hurt. I know in our marriage, I think, I think Shay and I both could say that sometimes it's difficult when the other one looks at us and says, you need to work on this. It causes defensiveness. It causes frustration. Like, who are you to tell me what I need to work on? But I think down deep, most of the time, we both can say, I mean, Shay would probably say she's perfect, but I think most of us. <laughs> of course I would say that. I think most of the time we walk away going, hmm, maybe I do need to work on this. Or maybe there's something there that's truth that I need to really look at. But that's a fearful place when someone says work on it because then it changes our whole, our whole structure of how we've dealt with life. And that can be frustrating and scary. Well, I was sitting here and I was just trying to think of any other barriers. And I think you've pretty much covered um, 
What do you think about pride? Do you think pride is a barrier to change? I have certain ideas or certain thoughts and ways that I do things that I need to let go. Like for some reason, it's just become part of me to do certain, to, to think certain ways. And I just kind of realized the other day that I don't even know why I do it. It's just, it's comfortable to me. And it's kind of like, this is how I am, or this is how I think. And I guess that's kind of a pride thing. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I, I think it's great to define pride. I mean, and pride is really just believing I know more about myself than maybe God does or that what, uh, and, and I don't really allow myself to, to hear what other people might have to say because I already put that there and I know what that means. It's kind of like what Shay and I come across with folks in healing. Sometimes they say things like, I don't need to go there anymore. I've already dealt with that. But so it, it <clears throat> I think it's partially a pride, but I, I think, I think it's also kind of learning how do I, Oh, I guess I'll, I'll use an example. Maybe that would make it easier. I think sometimes it's easier to say that's just the way I am than to say I really do need to change that. So to define that's just the way I am says I don't really ever have to look at that again. I guess that's the area of pride I would say. I mean, that's the area that I would say pride plays in sometimes. It's just just accept me the way I am. That's just the way I am. Doesn't mm-hmm. always open the door for any change. Because when you check off that block and say, this is just the way I am, then you don't really ever have to change. Yeah. And to change, you kind of, you're in a very vulnerable place. So it's, you have to kind of put yourself in that position, which is kind of, you know, put yourself in kind of a humbling position. Yes. You know, which in my opinion, (laughs) I believe humility is oftentimes feels weak. Because when you step back and you humble yourself and say, you're right, I need to change this, you open yourself up for people to then say, well, let me show you how you need to change there, which is vulnerable. It's like, no, if I just say, wait a minute, I don't need to change. This is just the way I am. Then that makes it a lot easier just to say, back off i don't need any help there i'm done with the way i I, i'm i've already dealt with that and this is just the way i am and that's a crazy place because that doesn't allow any change right because once you've shut that place down by saying i'm fine the way i am you have no place there to open your heart up to god to say let me shed some truth into that place i love the verse that says you should know the truth and the truth shall set you free if you don't allow your heart to open in those places, then he can never get truth in there because you're already saying, I'm done, I'm good there, I don't need to keep doing anything there. Why do you think, or I'm just going to toss out a question we can think about here. I've heard lots of times people have struggles with admitting when they're wrong. Do you think that fits in this picture at all? Like, have you all ever known someone who says that, you know, who kind of always comes across like they don't do anything wrong, they've never felt wrong, and they have a hard time saying, I'm wrong? Oh, sure. Yeah. And and do you think that fits in this place of change? Like, if you can't look at where you might be wrong, or where do you think that comes from? Let's start there. Where do you think it comes from when people have a hard time saying, 
I'm wrong. When people have a hard time saying that? Yes. Well, I mean, I think that it can come from a lot of different places. I think one place is maybe they have felt like such a failure throughout their life that they've gotten to the place where if they admit, you know, that they're wrong or they need to change, it's like them telling themselves that they're a failure if other people have told them growing up that they're a failure. Absolutely. Does that they, make sense? Yes, there's that old perfectionism thing, right? Again, is someone in their past has required that they be perfect. Exactly. And that they weren't allowed to fail, so therefore they're not allowed to be wrong, and so it's very hard for them to look on their life and to go, look at their failures. I'm wrong. Yes. It's like if you admit you're wrong, then that is going to say something about who you are at the most deep level, and it's just like... It's, painful to go there sometimes if you have a wound there absolutely you know? like it's almost it's almost like that person's afraid to look at their failure it's like it says something about who they are like and down deep they already believe they're really a failure so they have to build all this up that says i never do anything wrong they're not really a failure but that's their belief system is down deep i am a failure down deep, I don't do things right. But if I ever let anybody really see that, then they'll see what kind of a failure I am. Well, and you leave yourself vulnerable because at that point, it's like, okay, is the is the playing ground going to remain even? I mean, am I gonna am I gonna remain, you know, like on level ground with the person I'm admitting that I have failed to, or are they going to somehow? Kick me when I'm down, so to speak. That's a great way to put it. And that kick changes, me when I'm down. And that changes the level because then that that somehow elevates them to a place where they're better than us. You know, that's a great that's a great statement. Because I should suspect there's lots of folks who worry that they're gonna get kicked while they're down. Like if I really tell someone that I struggle with this, then are they going to help me in that? Or are they just going to keep reminding me of how bad I am? And that I'm a failure. And that I'm a failure. And that's been kind of a journey that a God has brought me to. As I remember a time in my past when I felt like God just kind of whispered in my ear, you know, you are the best failure. And I, I know like that. people would think that's kind of crazy. But what that meant to me was, is Lee, you'll never You'll never be perfect. I'm the only perfect. You are going to fail, but you're the best failure. You can fail and still be okay. You're not going to get everything in this world right. But I think when we have a hard time accepting that, then I think there's a place of fear that I can't let anybody else see that I fail. I can't ever let anybody else see that I don't get it quite right. Shay and I oftentimes call ourselves the world's biggest misfits because we both came out of same-sex attraction. We both have struggled with trying to figure out how to make marriage work because of that. But yet God brought us together knowing that we didn't really know how. And I love that about God is he takes our failures and says, hey, let's just walk towards this place 
You don't have to be perfect at it. You may bump your head against the brick wall a few times, but are you willing to keep walking and trying to see what I have for you, even when you're afraid, even when you're afraid of that failure? Maybe you all listening have struggled with change of not knowing how to change. Maybe you struggle with, you know, should I get help? But if I go get help, what if they point out things I don't really want to look at? That's the whole struggle, I believe, is why we, we're talking about why is it so hard to change today? Because we tend to have two different viewpoints of change. We either want it to happen yesterday or we just don't try it at all because someone might see that I'm not worthy of getting help. And so that's part of the, the process of knowing how to change is realizing that it's not going to be fun and it's not going to always go exactly the way you want it to go. I have a question. Um, okay. So what would you say to somebody who is trying to change or trying to change something and it's just really painful or it's hard to handle? Emotionally, it's hard, it's, it's stressful. Or I, I would try to meet him exactly in that place and say, I understand that is hard. Change is always going to be hard. The minute you say in my heart, this is my belief, the minute you say to God, I really would like to change this, is the minute you've just opened yourself up for some of the hardest, most difficult, most painful places because we tend to have a lot of walls built around those places we already know we're not good in or we haven't done well in. And so we tend to have defense there and we tend to have used those things to comfort and to, and to protect you know, a lot of trouble that I think we all get into when we're trying to change is we've used some of these things as self-protection. Well, part of changing is becoming absolutely vulnerable and saying, okay, God, I don't want this in my heart anymore. And then he says, okay, now we're going to have to do the surgery to cut it out. And the cutting out process is what hurts. So I guess that's what I would do is just sit with them and try to cheer them on that don't give up because it is going to hurt like heck. There's nothing fun about change, but there is a moment, and I think we all have been there, there's a moment where it turns slightly, where it's no longer as difficult, it begins, you begin to see the change, and you begin to think, wow, I'm getting there, but I didn't even realize I was getting there. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, you said our a lot of our struggles are way, or our, the things we're trying to change is because of, we're trying to deal with some kind of pain. So when you kind of let go of that way that you deal with pain, it's like you have to deal with the pain some other way. Right. So it's, I guess for me, a lot of times I wasn't prepared or didn't even know that it was going to be so hard and painful to go through changing. And so I'd give up immediately because it was like, I can't even handle this. I don't even know. I didn't even know I could feel this way. You it's know, kind it of just, pain. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think that's what's so beautiful about God. I think if he told us up front how painful it would be to change, none of us would go there. But he slowly takes us on this journey of beginning to change. There's a great book out there I encourage listeners to read called Hind's Feet on High Places by Hannah Hernard. It's a wonderful book that takes this little girl called Much Afraid on a Journey of Healing. And it 
it's so much the change is exactly like that. I mean, she went through moments where she's like, I'm done. I'm not doing this change anymore. And then he'd take her a little, the, the, the great shepherd, Jesus, would take her a little bit further down the road. And then she's like, well, okay, this feels pretty good. I can live here. And then it was right back to now we got to keep walking. It's like, no, that hurts. I'm not going. So it's this great adventure of change. And this may not be a great analogy, but I, I look at our hurts as these big open wounds. And we've stuffed things in that wound to pack around it, to keep it from hurting that have not been for our best. Whether it's a behavior, whether it's a belief system, but it does, for lack of a better, a better uh, understanding, it does make it feel better for a moment. And that's what we live for, are those moments where it does feel better. It does feel better to use our junk to hide our pain. It doesn't get rid of it, it's, but it turns that open wound to a dull ache. And I think God has to work in us enough to help us see that the dull ache is also not helping us. And it's causing all kinds of consequences in our life. And slowly he starts to clean out that wound and allow us to pull out or helps us to pull out all this stuff we packed around it. And then it's a gaping wound. So it hurts like heck. It is, in, it is hurtful. And you live in a place of absolute pain for a season because there's no, he's not allowing anything in there to pack around it. And then he begins to heal it. And if you think about it on a, just a practical note, medically, that's the only way you can clean out a, a wound, really, is you got to get all the dirty stuff out of there. You got to get the old gauze out and, and medicate it, but you have to leave the wound open and not do anything to it for a season, and it hurts. It's a, it's a moment of, heal, of healing and hurt. So that's the place we don't usually like to go to, which is why change is, I think, so hard to get that's to. Right. And also, maybe having trust in God that he will heal, heal it, because if you if if it hurts like that, it's like, is it ever going to get better? Or right. Am I just going to be feeling like this for the rest of my life? Forever. Which causes us to do what? Go back to the old stuff. That right. That's right. Which causes us to go back to our old stuff and go, well, you didn't work quick enough, God, so I'm putting this old thing back in place again because it feels better than just leaving you to do it. And he's like, okay, you can fill it back up again, but... In due time, we'll have to pull it all out again, and it's going to hurt again, and so we'll take it a step at a time. So that was kind of our discussion on why is it hard to change. And as I said earlier, maybe you're having a hard time changing. Maybe there are things in your heart that you'd love to change or things in your life that you can't seem to get rid of. We understand. We've all been there. Um, So if you have comments or you have questions, you're welcome to email us at info at shadowofhiswingsministry.com. You can also call us. We do not have a toll-free number just yet, but you're welcome to call at 210-887-9007. We're here to answer any questions or help in any way we can. We are a healing and prayer ministry. We love offering counseling and healing for folks who struggle with whatever you're trying to change we would be glad to hear from you again you can contact us at shadowofhiswingsministry.com we would love to hear from you thanks for listening in